Yeah, we're going to. Um, last few weeks we've been doing a series um, just about being surprised by hope, and that finished last week. If you haven't listened to it and you missed the, the conclusion, I'd encourage you to, uh, to do so. And coming up to Easter now, hopefully you're aware, and we just wanted to take some time just to think and reflect on a, couple, a few different issues so that we kind of prepare our hearts and our minds uh, for this, this, um, this year, for this period of time. And so I'm just going to share and sing, which I call the, the Servant King. And there was a great request. If you've been around church for a long time, there used to be a song by a person called Graham Kendrick called The Servant King. And um, it was a way of maybe raising money if I sung it, but I'm not going to. Because <laughs> those who know me know I can't sing. But um, I want to just speak on this. And you, if you know me well enough, when I speak, I, I like to kind of just anchor things into this is what we are and this is what we're about. And the reason I want to just talk about um, the servant king, ultimately the example is Jesus. And you'll see this as I unpack it this morning, that Jesus was the ultimate example of a servant king. And yet at the same time, those of us who love Jesus, those of us who have called ourselves followers of Jesus, are also, as we seek to follow his example, desiring to be servant and kings like Jesus. And so I want to unpack what that looks like. Partly because it's important for ourselves, but also it's important um, in relation to what we're trying to do as a church. Again and again, you will hear this phrase in church that we really believe that as a church, we're called to lead our communities into life. And we're going to look at that in lots of different dimensions and ways. But one of that ways is learning to serve our city and our community. And it also learning to be kings and what that looks like for our cities and communities. I remember, I can't remember how long ago, it was about a year ago, when the, the buses in this city, Winchester, decided to change their the name, the, the local logo, and it became the King City. Do you remember that? I remember when people were on stuff on Facebook and the image. If, you, if you're not from Winchester, that's okay. I'm not from Winchester. But if you're around here, one of the phrases people like is this idea that this is the King City. And that's great. And I, and I loved it when that came out. However, the, the reality of that in some ways is meaningless. It's like a hashtag. Yes, this is God's city. In the same way, in relation to what we've just been talking about, global Psalm says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Actually, the whole earth is the king's. This is a king's city. This is a king's earth. And that's a great phrase. But the thing is, it just be, it's just a nice phrase unless we learn how to be kings and queens and outwork that in our lives. It just becomes a nice little tagline. And so this morning, I want to touch on it because I believe that this calling that God has upon our lives is crucial for ourselves and in relation to what we want to see ourselves do in impacting our communities. So I'm just going to throw up um, some verses. Oh, let's go back. What is it doing? There. We're both doing it at the same time. I wanted just to kind of get you thinking, and here's a number of verses that, um, two of the ones Jesus said, and then lastly what Paul said. I could have chosen a number of verses in the Bible, but here it goes. The Son of Man, this is Jesus, said, He did not come to serve, but to serve and give his life. And then Jesus said, you know, his disciples at one time were coming, disciples were the followers of Jesus, and they came to Jesus and said, you know, who's the greatest? Who's the best? I want to kind of be kind of a king. I want to be a ruler. I want to sit at the right and the left hand. And Jesus kind of didn't answer the question. He just kind of threw out the statement, for who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines? 
but I am among you as the one who serves. He kind of takes this kind of role and identity of saying, I'm, I'm a servant. And then lastly, a well-known passage in Philippians 2, verse 7. And that whole passage, the context, I don't have time to unpack it. I knew it was going to be tight on time this morning anyhow. But it's just the, kind of the aspect of, of Jesus being divine, coming down to earth. And he said he emptied himself. He humbled himself. He became obedient even unto death on the cross. He came to serve the world. And so my first thought, as you know, maybe it relates to some of the stuff I said earlier about coaching, is just to kind of ask myself and ask ourselves, as followers of Jesus, what does that mean for us? What does that mean to come and serve? What does it mean to serve our community? What does it mean what does that mean? What does it look like? You know, as I look at the life of Jesus, it's interesting. I don't have time to unpack this. I might I was thinking this morning, I've got a few blank spaces in August when I'm speaking, and I might unpack it, some of it there. You know, Jesus, when he came to serve, it's interesting the way he served because he was always being accused of being around the wrong people. He was called the friend of sinners. I wonder if the way I outwork my serving, would I be accused of hanging around with the wrong crowd. What does it mean to serve? I mean, I threw up. Can you just flick it on? This ain't working. Oh, yeah. Oh, I keep going backwards. What would emptying ourselves look like? Who do we find it hard to serve? Do you find it easy to serve everybody? I don't know about you, but... You know, to be honest, I'm human. I won't say exactly, but you know, there's certain people I just find harder. Like the person who just cut in front of me when I'm driving. And I just, yeah, bless them. No, I just, you know, I just, I just, some people I find more difficult, maybe because of their background, maybe because of some of the choices that they're made in life. I know for some people, you know, sometimes it's just the way you're wired. So I know when I talk about Muslims, if you didn't know about it before this morning, you picked up this morning my heart for Muslims. I find it incredibly easy to serve Muslims. I don't have any problem at all. If I see somebody who I think is a Muslim, I will go for them. My wife's in this ward, I'm going to get accused of being a stalker. You know, because I'm just like, ah, oh, they're a Muslim. I just got faith and expectation uh, for them. Again, just with foreigners, having you know, lived so many years overseas, I know what it's like to kind of be in the, in the minority, not to know the language. So I have a real kind of heart and affinity uh, to that. You know, I will kind of step in. And I know for other people, that would just be thinking, to go up to, you know, a kind of person with a big, huge beard. For some of you, you'd be like, ah. But then I have my equivalent of people that some of you would find really easy just to go up to. You know, there's certain places where, you know, I was in a city, Birmingham, recently, and, you know, I was there, and I was kind of like, very nervous. There's certain people I wouldn't go up to and approach. What is it for you? What is it for me? What does it look like to serve? What would it look like for us to serve our community? I want us to dream in some ways. In some ways, I want to throw some questions out, but I don't have time to kind of just allow you to mull it. You know, if you're one of these people, particularly if you're like me, an introvert, kind of take these questions down, you know, um, take a picture of that screen and just go away and, and take some time. Maybe you're in a life group and you run a life group. This would be a great, you know, life groups are um, one of the main ways and one of the best ways of kind of just connecting as a, as a church. 
Um, and so if you're not in one, um, get in one. Speak to Chris and he'll point you one to go to. But it's a great way just to kind of think about some of the things that we're, we're learning and growing in as followers of Jesus and trying to apply them. And so you could look, talk about this in a life group. What, what, what does it mean? What does it look like individually as a family? We're told to serve our community. That's not the question. The question is, what does it look like? And so think about that, particularly coming up to Easter. What does it look like? You know, Easter is the ultimate example of Jesus serving us, serving us into death. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels a pain when I'm serving certain people, but I've yet not died for it. I haven't yet maybe shed blood for it, maybe a bit of sweat sometimes. What does it look like? For us, what does it look like? It can be something very simplistic. One of the things that I often think of, my children hear me say this many times, and they remind me of this of one way it can just look like serving is a story I heard. I worked for Premier Christian Radio Station for one year. My job was to listen and edit sermons. I listened to six or seven sermons a day. The scary thing is, I can only remember one story. <laughs> it always gives me a little bit of peace and relaxation as I preach. It takes a bit of pressure off me, but hopefully you remember more. And then this person was just talking about, um, he was with his kind of pastor, and his pastor was just trying to mentor him and encourage him to be more like Jesus. And they kind of went into a, to- a toilet, a men's toilet, and you just got to imagine women, sorry. And uh, those cubicles. And um, this person went to the toilet, and then he started cleaning the cubicles. And... The, and, the, and is the, the friend said to the pastor, what are you doing? He says, I'm a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus always leaves a place and a person better than you found them. And I thought, wow. And, uh, and so I, I, I try to do that. Sometimes it gets my kids a bit annoyed when I'm picking up rubbish. And, um, I have tried it a couple of times in the cubicles, not if it's really bad. I'd leave that to the plumbers. And, um, but what does it look like for you and me? I mean, that's just one simple example. But that's what we're called to do. And you know, the, the good example, the one I just gave, and some of the examples I gave, nobody really knows. Nobody sees it. But that's truly what serving looks like. It doesn't have to. Sometimes we do, we do great things of service in this church, and it's great some of the things we do, like the Christmas fair, for example. There's a lot of publicity, and there's a lot of, kind of recognition. I can't remember if this year, I think this year it got into the paper, and that's great. But at the same time, the things that really often make the transformation is each one of us, day by day, moment by moment, serving our community, serving your workplace, whatever that might be. Just start to dream with God and to work with him so that we can leave our city, we can leave our community, we can leave our workplaces, we can leave the people that we encounter, even if it's just a brief encounter with somebody that we met on the bus, somebody that we we meet when we go shopping, in a better place than we found them. So we need to be servants, but we also need to be kings. And so you kind of get this, this verse about being in charge, having authority, and being a king. And we need to be both of them. We need to start stepping into our kingship, our queenship. I'm just going to say king for the moment, just because I'm not, it's going to take ages, so I have to keep saying king and queen. So whether you're male or female, just think of yourself as a king, please. And um, outliving that, becoming that, they should be interlinked. 
In the sense of stepping out and leading in authority and having influence and being a king and being a servant, they should be like two sides of the same coin. If you've been around this church for a while, you will hear us use this phrase called uh, trusted rulers. If you've not been here for a few months, just been here a few months or you were a guest here, you wouldn't have seen this. But let me just explain it very quickly. We can just go on. There we go. And um, this idea, one of our values um, as, a, as a church, one of the things that we want to see outworked as we preach, as we share Jesus, is that we want to equip everybody who's a follower of Jesus to be what we call a trusted ruler. You know, when I was brought up in church, so often the focus was on kind of your skills and getting you involved and, and servant. You know, take this sheet, do this sheet. But in this church, we want to just unleash who you are. And the three crucial components of that are identity, knowing who you are, what you're about. All around us, people are, are, are giving us names. We get called names all the time. And I don't mean nasty names or funny names. I used to have lots of funny names when I was a teenager. And uh, I won't go down there. And... Um, but sometimes it's like a dad. You know, sometimes it's a good title. Sometimes people like to label me as a missionary. I, I don't particularly like that phrase. Um, you know, fill in the gap what it might be for you. But you see, that's not where our ultimate identity needs to be. Our identity needs to be in Christ. Because if it's in one of these other things, if they change, what's going to happen? Particularly if your identity is in a certain role, if that role changes, what happens? Our identity needs to be in Christ. We also need to know our authority. And I'll particularly talk about this in a minute. Because when you know what you have, it affects how you live. And thirdly, you need to know what God is calling you to. So you need to be a servant and you need to be a king. How does this interlink? And I've been thinking about this for a while, these two values. Because in a church, we want that. We want people to arise and to be into leadership and to have a kind of kingly anointing. But we also want them to be Servants, And I came across this verse a little while ago, and this is a verse that really got me thinking and made me go to Nigel and Joe and say, can we do a talk on this? I'm going to jump. The key of living both as a servant and as a king. I'm going to read this out, and then I'm going to read it out again or emphasize some bits. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. And I'd read this passage many times. It's often one we, we, we do coming up to Easter because it's uh, happened just before Jesus kind of broke bread and, and communion and just started sharing with his disciples that he was going to die and that he was going to come back again. But a couple of months ago, I was just reading it, and I just noticed a few things, because I'd been thinking about, I want to grow in this area of being a servant and a king. I want to help us as a church to kind of grow in, in this area. And I just wanted, I saw a few things which I just want to highlight, which I think are crucial to the idea of living both as a servant and as a king. And I'm going to just throw some things out. I've been mulling over this for quite a few months, and I'd encourage you to kind of mull it over. Uh, I'm going to share it, but just take it away, you know, take this verse you know if you want something to chew over and uh, this week but as you can see I highlighted a few bits firstly Jesus knew 
He knew that the Father had given him authority. He knew in the know. It wasn't just in the head knowledge. The word for know generally in the New Testament is actually the same word that's used for intercourse. It's kind of a deep knowledge, intimate knowledge, not just a head knowledge. And for each one of us, if we want to live as servants and as kings and bring influence, we've got to know. We need to have that revelation. One of the prayers I pray again and again that we find in Scripture uh, in Ephesians 1 where Paul prays. This is his prayer for what is seen as the most successful, most influential church in the New Testament. He said, I pray that the Spirit would give them a spirit of wisdom and understanding to know. To know that God is almighty and to know that they are seated in heavenly places. We need to know. Secondly, we, know, we need to know that the Father has given us authority. See, Jesus had the freedom to serve. So often people serve is because there's the dynamics. And I see this particularly in church where people are just serving because they're hoping to get some recognition as a way of just being recognized. I know for sometimes myself, I can end up doing things just because I think, oh, that looks good. I wonder what people will think, just being, being honest with you. I see it sometimes when people are involved in an area of service and I suggest they stop. And they kind of like, it's like the life is going to come to an end because that's where they get recognition and value from. Or I know certain people I've talked to and it's like, oh, I, I need to do this. Rather than coming from a place of intimacy, not trying to earn it. He knew he had been given it. See, when you know you got given something, it gives you a freedom. You're not trying to grasp it from somewhere else. If you want another example of this, it's a great, another great song which I could sing to you, but which I won't. Um, Acts um, chapter 3 is a story about um, Peter and John. I can, nearly, I can hardly say it without doing it into a song. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. Silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you. You do not know what to give if you don't know if you have it. You cannot give something unless you have it. It's no good me saying to somebody, I'm going to give you a certain amount of money unless I know I have that money. It's just empty talk. And so Jesus knew what he had been given. I mean, like I said, I wish I had more time to kind of expand on this, but we need to know what we have been given. Do we really know what we've been given? We are the carriers of hope. And again, one of these talks I was reflecting this morning. I don't know why I had so much reflection time this morning. But um, again, in August, I might do a, a talk on Christ in us. Seeing that Paul in the Bible taught again and again, it's probably the phrase that Paul used most in Scripture, in his letters, Christ in us. It's like if we grasp that, if we know what we've been given, we've got Christ in us. We've got the hope of the world. We've got the, uh, the light of the world. We've got the, the, the joy of the world in our lives. As we go into some places, it will bring transformation. I've shared this before in this church. We sing this song, when he walks into the room, everything changes. Yes, we're declaring that to God. When you walk into the room, we say, God, walk into this room more and more. Bring healing, bring restoration, wherever that may be. But when we've got Christ in us and we know what we've got, when we walk into rooms, things begin to change. And I need to get that. I know that in my head. Actually, two talks I'm doing this week are related to that subject. But I know I need to get that into my life. Do I know what I'm giving? As soon as we know what we're giving in certain areas, but we need to grow. And what I mean by that is, and Katie knows it's interesting that we don't always have it in the same area since that confidence. I have great confidence when it comes to um, kind of what I call drive-by healings and things like that. 
uh, and restorations and things like that. But when it comes to finances, that's an area that I don't have great confidence in. Kate is the opposite. She's like, oh, it doesn't matter if this goes wrong. Like a whole load of financial things going wrong. It's like, it's all right, dad will provide. I'm just freaking out. And uh, that's an area where I, you know, I have to, to grow in because I don't really know, I don't realize that the Father has given me everything. He has everything I need. What is it for you? Where do you need to grow? Where do we need to know that he's given? Because it gives you confidence. Thirdly, he knew where he was from and where he was going. Wow. That really gives you a confidence. When you know who you are and what you're for and where God's calling you. And again, I could do a, a separate talk on this, but I'd encourage you, do you know what you're for? What is your purpose? I read a quote this week where Mark Twain said, the two most important dates in a person's life is the day they were born and then secondly, the day they discovered what their, what their purpose in life was for. I'd probably put a third one in when they encountered Jesus for the first time. But I like that phrase that is so crucial that we know who we're for and what we're about. Because when you got that, then you get the so. That's a crucial bit. Because he knew, I'm not an expert, I think there's a special phrase for the so. I don't know where Katie is, she'll tell me what it, what it is. I'm terrible when it comes to English. But because he knew who he was, he knew what had been given to him, he knew where he came from and where we returned, it made the serving easy. That was just the natural outcome, so. And so as we want to do that, we need to grow in this area. We need to grow and move in this area. And so just to conclude as our time comes to a, an end a few more reflective questions hopefully to live as servant kings to bring heaven to earth we need to live from both of these to outlive this firstly we need to grasp it for ourselves I've got to keep looking but we should change this how am I going to know how am I going to really remind myself how am I going to recalibrate myself you know when you're driving a car and sometimes you you hit something and it kind of goes wonky and the way you know is when you're driving along and you just let go of the steering wheel and see which way it goes my recommendation is do that on a motorway not on a normal road and um, and then you go and they they fix your tire because you burst it but they also recalibrate they realign your car so you're kind of going in the right direction I know about you things come along and just knock me sometimes and I forget who I am. And I need to keep reminding myself, because like I said, if I don't know who I am, what I have, I don't know what I'm going to release. How am I going to realign myself? How am I going to recalibrate myself day by day? And it needs to be day by day, because all the time we're getting things called to us. And this is really crucial. It hit me a little while ago. I was mentioning to Joe the other day, um, where I read something in the book, where it said that Jesus, um, God the Father only ripped heaven open and spoke audibly three times in the life of Jesus in the gospel and every time they were for the same reason they were to say this is my son who I am pleased with they did it at baptism they did it at transfiguration and there's one other instance in the book of John where Jesus is with a crowd it's like I'm thinking like God if you're going to open heaven there'd be lots of reasons why you open heaven I think maybe when there's a gathering of all the Muslims in, in Mecca for the Hajj and there's millions of Muslims there why don't you just yell out I'm God and Jesus is my son I mean that's what I'd do uh, <laughs> but I'm not God 
he's like, he chooses, like, he's given a significance. The only time he does it is because of this reason. And so we need to do that for ourselves. Secondly, we need to share it. You see, we need to know who we are and what we're for and what we're about. And then part of our role is to outwork that in our communities. See, all around us, people are around us who don't know who they are and what they're for. And they're trying to get it in other things. Some people get it in an activity, a sport. Some people get it just by working, you know, become workaholics. Some people find it in you know, a drink or some other type of um, substance of use. You know, you're just filling the gaps. People just try to get their identity and their worth from somewhere. And that ultimately is not where you find it. And so part of our calling and role as followers of Jesus, part of our calling and role as Winchester Vineyard, trying to lead our communities into life, is to begin to call people into the true identity. I put there, we are in the renaming industry, in the renaming business. If you look right to the beginning of Scripture, one of the first things that God called Adam and Eve to do was to go and name things. See, the reason that is, because I know from my, my work with Muslims, and I know from Scripture, is that names are crucial in the Bible. Names are, are what give people identity and worth and their destiny. And part of our calling is to do that. It's to go into and, and to do that. And what does that look like for you and me? I know for Katie and myself, this coming week we fly tomorrow. Once it hits Tuesday and we get these 700 delegates coming to this conference we were involved in. One of my main roles, yes, I'm doing some seminars and things like that, is every, you know, every meal I have is to remind some of these people that might not have heard in a year or a couple of years who they are, who they really are. What does that look like for you to go and name people? Give them their, their purpose because they're desperate for it. I'm going to hand over to Joe and Nicole, but I know one of the things I believe that God wants to do this morning is he wants to remind us of who we are. One good indicator of maybe you've forgotten who you are and what you're about, there's a numbers of a few ways, but one of them is when there's a sense of hopelessness about who you are and what you're about. Or there's a sense of fear about that. And so I want to create an opportunity where people can get prayer and say, God, remind me of who I am, what I'm about. I also want to just create an opportunity for um, um, people you know, I said one of our roles is to rename things and call destiny and purpose into people. And one of the easiest ways to grow and develop in that is to do it here. This is a safe environment. And so a bit, uh, in a few minutes' time when Joe and Nicole are just rounding things up and we're getting people for prayer, when they say we need people to come to the front, this is a great opportunity.